The Crossroads video cast is here. Retrospective reviews, discussions, theories, and geek out. All available when you pledge $10 or more a month to our Patreon account. Same show, just more of it. Head over to patreon.com slash Digital to play. Warning, Supernatural The Crossroads contains adult language and discussions. If you're easily offended, do not continue to listen. Oh, death. Oh, death. Oh, death. Welcome, everybody, to Supernatural The Crossroads on Rain Man Digital Crossroads 003. If you are listening from your desktop, you can take us to mobile now, but we are no longer going to be using the Rain Man Digital app. It will be discontinued, but if you like those live show notifications, do not yet fret. You can now text RMD69 to 50597 and you will receive a standard text message whenever a live Rain Man show, uh, Rain Man Digital show, is about to start, along with a link as to where you can easily listen from any mobile device. Penis. Also, yes. I don't know why. You can listen Who put to that penis. There? I'm sure Ryan did. Did Ryan put that there? I from almost the last guarantee show? Ryan put that. He there. loves just throwing little Easter eggs he in does. the show notes. How to can see if I he read get, them? How can he get me to Ron Burgundy? The, the live reads. Uh, That's always his effort. Ryan is such a... He is the world's greatest troll. He's 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 the world's biggest something. I don't mind giving him <laughs> that credit. He is, I think, the world's greatest troll. Uh, he, he is... Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? He An never, asshole? Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's the word. <laughs> the fucking asshole. No. <laughs> he's not here to defend himself, though, today, because uh, he is off in Japan trying to... Find a new bride. Find a new bride. Well, His he, pillow got too used, so he needs a new one at this point. Well, he did try the whole mail order bride thing from Japan, and <laughs> it, it wasn't working. So it was, he it decided was to go mail straight that showed to the, up. <laughs> he decided to go straight to the source this time, <laughs> the source. and he's going to kidnap a a young Japanese maiden. I think. Jesus. Christ. Well, when I say young, she's of age. Ryan is. Right. Listen, Ryan is a lot of things, but he isn't a rapist. Okay. <laughs> And he's not here to defend himself. So we are talking about Supernatural Season 14, Episode 15, Peace of Mind. And with only six episodes left in the season, director Phil Sagricia, along with writer Steve Yoki and newcomer to the writing room, Megan Fitzmartin, slowed everything way, way down with this week's episode. And for some obvious reasons, it was kind of designed as an episode to give us a moment of reflection for Sam, Dean, Castiel, and Jack. Uh, the last, the events of last week's episode, Ouroboros, were monumental for where this season is going so far. But it does pose a lot of questions, primarily what happens next? What do we do now? 
And really, how is everyone getting along with dealing with the aftermath of last week's episode? Essentially, how is Team Winchester? You know, we're, we're checking in, status update on everybody. And most of the parts are not good. You know, uh, primarily Sam was the big, the person who suffered the most, I'd say, from the events of last week with his sla- Michael's slaughtering of every apocalypse hunter all the people that Sam was in charge for. Yeah. You know, it's a massive hit to Sam's psyche, his confidence, you know, you know, emotional stability, the pain of losing people is never easy, even if you don't know them very well. Especially for Sam. Sam always struggles with these types of scenarios. Absolutely. And, you know, he he's no stranger to loss, but this is this event was no doubt something a little bit different. Family and friends who had died, you know, alongside you who are the same level as you peers and things like that. That's one thing. I think it's very different when you feel responsible for somebody. And we've talked all this season that Sam has absolutely become the leader of the hunters. And he is by and large, the boss, he was responsible for them. They trusted him in a lot of ways. It's a lot different being the, um, being the general, Opposed to just being a soldier. When yeah. you have to be the one actually sending in the troops to die, that takes a different type of toll. And especially with you. the last one being, you know, somebody who cried out your name for help. And as a Winchester and as a hunter, not being able to help somebody, that takes a lot yeah. out of them. Yeah, for sure. Especially the way that poor girl died, Maggie. Again. I, yeah. <laughs> and the fact that Sam was obviously building her up, getting yeah. her where she needed to be to be the next leader of this hunting group and that completely fell apart right before his eyes yeah as she lost hers <laughs> i knew hey, you're gonna hey, do something like hey. <laughs> no um but it really was a, a dark moment for him and with that aspect it is very easy to see why he tried to escape in this episode and in, in the way in which he did with going back to in many ways when he wasn't a leader going back to a simpler time in his own life by metaphorically going back to a simpler time with 1950s Americana as the backdrop for his little escape. Yeah. That was the primary thing. The secondary aspect is Jack and what is going on with him. We talked at length last week about it really feeling like this is where the story maybe not is going, but needs to go. And that is make Jack the villain have him go down this questionable dark path and the breadcrumbs have been are we're starting to pick up the trail essentially it does seem like he's struggling to understand what is going on within himself mind body and soul he's not sure if which is is an odd statement you'd think is like if you don't know whether or not you're soulless or if things have changed and you feel different but at the same time he is not normal he's not a normal person he's gone from in less in a in about a year and a half less than two years he's gone from being born learning about existence learning about family still trying to learn about all the nuances of the human experience dying losing his powers becoming angelic again like fighting a war all these other things so for him not to really know what is going on in the calm peace of mind of himself it it does make it is a little questionable 
you'd think he'd have some idea, but at the same time, it's a lot to take in for anybody, let alone somebody in his position. Well, I just feel like um, they're they're fucking with us to on purpose. Like they, if Jack was just to outright say, "Hey, you know what? I'm evil I, now. Shit. I feel like I have a soul problem." <laughs> then suddenly, the issue with Michael possibly still being alive and this being part of an elaborate trap suddenly fizzles and dies so yeah. in order to maintain that mystery potential direction that they could take the show even if it's just suspense and we may not actually go that direction if they just outwardly state hey this is how i feel and i know it then there is no mystery behind what is truly going on with jack right so i did like that aspect because it does strengthen that whole idea that well it makes us want to watch next week yeah it's part of the the template you got to have that there yeah, well, some something's got to fill in the void of this absence that is now absent due to Michael's departure, if if he's truly gone. Right, and there are still some questions that at least we are proposing in this respect, um, but it really does leave us in a big what if scenario mindset because a lot of things could go a lot of different directions. Now, there's obviously ones we hope that it goes down. Yeah. You know, from a narrative standpoint, there's ones that fans don't want to see that we do hope happens from a narrative standpoint, but it's And let's be honest, we need it to happen. We need something we really do. big to happen in in during Dab's run. I feel like a lot of and we're going to be getting into a lot of this both in this episode as well as the uh the Patreon exclusive quarterly wrap up, but it feels like when you go back and look at everything Dab's been working at for the past, I don't know, almost three seasons, it feels like this is his one thing that he has been leading to. It's to get Jack born, season 12, mm-hmm. get us to know him, season 13, season 14, let's start posing those potential threats. Could he, in fact, turn bad? Could he, in fact, be the villain? So there are directions that I feel is very obvious that Dab is yeah. going with. Hopefully, as we said last week, he does in fact pull that trigger. Hopefully. And we'll if see. he doesn't, then there may be some elaborate plan that Michael's doing that also works as well. So we'll see, right? We'll see. I'm hoping if it's not, if it's not one of those, it needs to be an elaborate plan by the as producers comes back to life of <laughs> the CW to uh, remove somebody oh come mm-hmm. on anyway so <laughs> let's seek the shadim after him go kill dab shadim oh what was that again the the all of five seconds of plot yeah well if they kill dab they'll be in the show a lot longer <laughs> they'll be in here for a whole 10 seconds there we go double your time now uh, it was nice to see a castiel centric episode which this one really was he took the limelight yeah. he was the heavy backbone heavy lifter of this episode and we really haven't gotten much of him this season and that's mostly due to the fact that the writers are obviously keeping Castiel a part of the bigger story which is which is it by design to keep the narrative focus a little stronger we've talked before that he's been absent of episodes that aren't relevant to his being there and when he is involved it's directly tied to his relationship with Jack and the Winchesters and the direct events of the main things going on. Definitely a strength to this season. I, I do in fact applaud Dab for willingly or going in Benching that, him sometimes. Yeah, he's not afraid to bench people that aren't needed at that time and the way he is using Castiel this year I'm on board with that idea because he's keeping him directly tied to the main story. He's not doing his own sub story 
mm-hmm. that kind of distracts and sometimes doesn't amount to what it should be. And then we're wondering, okay, how is this going to pan out? And it makes for not a messy episode, but just a, a very um, complex season sometimes. Yeah. As we know, based on the many interviews Dab has done for press, it's something that they don't really want to do this year for a lot of reasons. Namely, they have a lot less episodes. Essentially, they're dealing you're dealing with four less episodes yeah. of the season when you include the the celebratory episode, the landmark event, the uh, 300th episode. Mm-hmm. And it, it, I do agree. I think it was smart for not only Castiel, but other characters that we talked about from the issues of season 13 being a revolving door of guest appearances. For sure. To we've only seen a scene, an episode of somebody in this respect, whether that was Charlie or Ketch or Bobby when needed. But, you know, with this episode, it was a welcome excursion. It was nice to see Castiel as the center of attention, the center of the action. And not just being the character we know and love in many respects, but also having to rely on his skills as a hunter when normally that's not what he usually does. He usually has to play. He usually plays second, second string, you know, and now we get to see him in the limelight with his hunter skills that he's acquired over the years and his knowledge of having worked with Sam and Dean for so long. And we still get to see some funny moments due to Castiel and Misha Collins's portrayal of the character yelling. God has a beard is fantastic. We still get those humorous <laughs> moments with him at the limelight. And I, I will say we'll get into it a little bit later, but it is nice to see him not get his ass kicked by three people in a, you know, two of which are paraplegic that has been <laughs> most of his recent combat scenes. Yeah. So, you know, Overall, this episode at the surface level may have felt a little bit more superficial. You know, a a monster of the week, a fun little excursion with some key trimmings that is the 1950s vibe there. But there was substance at heart. And in many ways, this episode felt like a calm before the storm, especially as we get to the very end of this episode. Yeah. Now, with this episode really feeling like that, that bit of relaxation, that breathing period before we ratchet up for the final five episodes of the season, it does seem like with a cliffhanger, not quite a cliffhanger, but the dramatic final moment of this episode, we are really setting up for greater troubles to come with this final quarter of season 14. So... Without wasting too much more time, let's get into the discussion. But at first, we're going to do a little bit of a restating, reframing of the events of last week. Because for this episode to really hit home or to really pick up on what they're trying to do, it's important to understand what was being said from last week's symbolism with the serpent. And in many respects, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, Mike, the writers are kind of pulling us along, leading us by the nose when it comes to Jack's ultimate fate and whether or not he might end up being a a villain for the Winchesters moving forward. Because with the final stretch of season 14, we really don't have anything left of Michael, it seems. Now, there is some argument we're going to have here about that, but on surface level at face value, The first quarter of last season was designed to show that Michael had this grand plan, this idea that monsters would would inherit the earth kind of thing. 
that they would wipe out people because instead of just trying to nuke all the humans, he's utilizing the monsters at his disposal as a more infiltration sort of destruction technique. Yeah, this this season, we put we said last by accident, but the first quarter of this season was designed. So I agree. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry about that. No, you're good. But with that, that seems to have all ended with after nihilism when the monsters attacked with the mid-season premiere and then just kind of went their separate ways. A few of them were destroyed by Jack. We know that. But it really didn't seem to lead to anything other than Jack regaining his powers at the cost of his own soul. Yeah. When you look at everything that has been leading up to this point, when you look at the ending of last season, you look at the first quarter of this season, everything was designed to push Michael to be the the villain, to being the baddie, to introduce this, uh, this alternate universe archangel that has more power than the one that we knew and he also was powerful. So what is this guy capable of? That has been the entire thing regarding this character. And then this season, they really built up this idea, this grand scenario, this grand strategy behind Michael's plan. And then it came to an end. We would let's assume for the moment here, it came to an end. It just seems very anticlimactic. And no matter how much we we fanboyed over jack's words last week parallel that's not enough yeah paralleling you know much of anakin skywalker's whole swagger i mean all of that worked but michael's strategy and plan for the for the most part has felt like a faux wall and that's the problem if everything ends now and the problem is just what it is Mm -hmm. it feels like a faux wall a cardboard cutout it never quite felt like much it feels like the writers have purposely kept us in the dark when it comes to the complexity of his plans. And deliberately, it feels deliberate. It doesn't feel like they made a bad call or they made a bad writing decision. It feels very light purposely because I feel like there is a bigger plan at work that does, in fact, include Michael, whether he's alive or this was some elaborate plan that, hey, if I die and you kill me, there's going to be some consequences behind that. Whatever it ends up being, the Michael equation, I don't think, is over quite yet. Because if you remember, there was an interview by Andrew Dabb this past October with Variety. And he says, Michael, for all intents and purposes, is the big bad of the season. He goes on to say he's going to throw some levers that are going to awaken some bigger, scarier things. But it's all a part of his design. So he's the mastermind behind it. Those are Dab's exact words. Mm -hmm. Now, sure, being the mastermind behind all this can be unintentional. He could have unknowingly set things into motion, but rather than Uh, turning Michael. That's not the idea. (laughs) Exactly. Because rather than turning Michael into just a plot device, because that's what he would be. Mm -hmm. It would make sense for this to be a part of Michael's plan, as Dab had hinted at. He's got to have designs on enacting revenge on God. There was a very real moment we had with Michael earlier this season when he had said that he had waited for God to come at the end of his world's apocalypse, but he never came. But there was obvious jealousy and hatred when he learned of God's relationship with the Winchesters and how the disdain he felt 
And you could see it when he referred to God as simply a writer. So if they drop all of this on us, we have to believe there's a greater plan at work when it comes to Michael, especially because he was so intent on on getting revenge on God. Didn't he say even God can die? Yeah, he's going to kill him. Yeah. So you have all this showboating, this peacocking mm-hmm. that amounts to nothing. That that would be odd. That it would be, be, it'd be very odd. And that's why I feel like because everything we're getting this season is pretty solid. That idea of just letting all that drop feels weak. If they were to let all of that drop, it would be the Asmodeus it Gab- would. Gabriel Absolutely. from season 13. Absolutely. It would be you built all this up. We felt all this excitement. We we as fans saw where the narrative could go. And you just absolutely abandon all of it. Two years in a row, there's no excuse for that. And to your point, you know, him being the mastermind, the way in which Dab said those things does lead us to believe there could be many other aspects, especially with the metaphor of the chicken and the snake. Could Michael's grace in this case be the egg, the hard boiled egg? Yeah. In some respects, we talked about that last week. That is still a part of this week's narrative. Yes you know jack essentially jack befriends the snake at the end of the last episode and within one week ends up killing it yeah now and that's not exactly saying that that's foreshadowing of the events to come but it fucking better be yeah if you just have that i i can't think of a better situation to use symbolism than that I mean, I can't exactly. That's that's why I feel like there's a bigger plan going on here, because Jack befriending a serpent, his father, <laughs> and then kills it. Dude, there's yeah. a lot of foreshadowing there. Like, why we know would, Lucifer's w- potentially still at play. Why would you choose to use a serpent in this in this scene? Right. Mm-hmm. And then have Jack, the very person that all the question marks are now placed on. And then you create this elaborate friendship between the two of them for only to end with the death of the serpent. Yes, it serves other reasons as well. Yeah, it does. Which we'll get into. Mm -hmm. But the serpent is so obvious. It you can you could have chose a rabbit or a fucking puppy dog that somebody found on the street. No, they chose to utilize the serpent from the Ouroboros episode, and there's got to be a reason for that. Okay, so let's talk a little bit about Jack and his struggling to understand what he feels. Remember, I was I was talking about this at the top of the show. Mm-hmm. They alluded to this during his chat with Donatello that he's not sure what he's supposed to feel because all emotions and feelings are relatively new to him. I feel like that's right. okay. I think he's that two works. years old, not even. Yeah, but perhaps the reason Jack feels different is more about. Let's say it's more than just the idea that he has possibly burned away most of his soul, but because Michael has done something to him, we have got to remember the chicken and the snake story. And the reason why they pulled that piece, pieces of the narrative last week into this week's episode and what it actually meant. It wasn't just a poetic story for us to appreciate. The Gorgon saw something in Jack's future. Yep. I mean, what what better way to highlight that the the story of the chicken and the egg and the snake than with Michael's? Michael could be the snake and Jack could be the chicken trying to kill him. I mean, we we literally have that moment at the end of the episode where it's by trying 
to do, quote, the right thing, he ends up killing the snake, you know, in this cold, calculating way in which the story, the hen, is cold and calculating by sacrificing her last offspring, essentially. Yeah. But we also have the aspect that if Michael is, maybe Michael's the chicken, sacrificing himself in some way to be in a weaker state to then control or destroy Jack from the inside. Yeah, I, I, I have a feeling Michael has hitched a ride inside of Jack. And he's, I, I feel like he's waiting. To, to, well, we've seen, the, we, we have seen, there could only, okay. It fits First the rest off, of the we've season. already seen other archangels take the grace of others mm-hmm. and, it, and it runs out. Yeah. But now we're led to believe that Jack has consumed Michael's grace and everything about him. And now he's back to normal. Yes, he's a completely different entity. We don't know much about him. And that gives the writers some liberties, some creative liberties. But we also can't forget what we've seen before. We already know that other people's grace burns fast. There's an expiration date on that. So there could be two things going on at once. Michael has hitched a ride inside of Jack willingly and is waiting to strike. And or Jack is struggling to understand his feelings now that he's missing a portion of his soul. Well, to follow the the Michael is deliberately doing this plan. We know from his events earlier in this season that he left a back door oh. access <laughs> oh. into Dean's mind. Oh, oh. To where he, mind. he okay. spied through his own eyes without being there. His brown eye. <laughs> You can see a lot of things through that. You can see someone's soul through their brown eyes. Listen, if you can taste alcohol and and drugs through there, then you can see other things as well. But we have that aspect where he he saw the events of the bunker through the eyes of Dean. He has seen things through the monsters who ingested his grace and and were able to gain a power up. He could deliberately control them. Is that not safe to say that he's doing the same thing to Jack in a much more symbiotic or yeah. parasitic way? It would make perfect sense. In fact, it, it's it, been established it, as possible. Yeah. And if they reveal that to be the facts, I would be like, shit, that works. That makes perfect sense. That's everything we've seen. But what whatever is actually happening to Jack or is going to happen to Jack, it would be that much more terrible, but great from a story standpoint, because you know us, we mm-hmm. love the doom and gloom the tragedies. If all of this was Michael's plan, Michael's only way that he could see the only way to could defeat, defeat him. the only way that he could see to defeat Jack was to make him lose his soul, free Jack from his earthly emotions, and then use this new version as a weapon. In many ways, that that tiny little aspect reminds me of, spoiler alert, the ending of Seven. Oh, come on. Become, become Wrath, you know? Yeah, you're absolutely Twist, right. The villain wins through defeat. Dude, it's and once again, I know we're a bunch of Star Wars babies on this network, yeah. but look at the Star Wars parallels. Palpatine, manipulation, turning Vader, Anakin against his friends and the way he believes through manipulation. Now, the, you have this exact same setup. Michael is Palpatine slash the Emperor. Jack is Anakin Skywalker. Darth and Vader. now that he has robbed him of his soul because he yep. has tricked him into doing something that he didn't want he's to do. Control. He's in control and he can now use this blunt object as a weapon. And if this is what we are seeing, this not only makes Michael a relevant part of 
of last season's myth arc and this season's obviously by extension, but now they can pull the trigger with this Jack situation that we have been inevitably marching towards. Yeah. Things could really be looking up for Dab as a showrunner, you know, to, to sound like an asshole. We've talked at length about how we felt a little bit directionless until we got to this season where the first half had a focus on fear on Michael as a villain, on Jack's place in the universe, and this Darth Vader Palpatine metaphor. And it could if we, be genius. It if we go genius. with this, this could be, you know, his claim to fame, his big, his defining moment, defining as a showrunner. moment. Yeah, absolutely, it could. It, it could be what defines his legacy as a showrunner, and whether or not he will be remembered favorably years later by all the fans. Outside of the multiverse, the multiverse was one idea. But Jack Those is this slow, slow, twisted villain over the course of years. And, and Thomas, that's fucking great. Those are concepts, and that's one thing I don't. I, I really wish some fans would get in their head. Yeah. Like, yes, it's exciting. That is fantastic. Dab has come up with some great concepts, but it's the execution of those concepts and the story that accompany accompanies those concepts that wins the day. Absolutely. And so far, he's been struggling to make those concepts matter to the overall story. This season is very different. He is managing to connect the dots. I'm hoping this is the direction he's going because then we can all sit back and remember shit. We're going to we're going to remember this season as the very the moment that made all of Dab's seasons come together and work. Because this has been his sole purpose. Jack has been the thread. Even before he was born, Jack was the thread. But in order for all of us of this to work, much like we said last week with pulling the trigger on Jack, uh, we're just kind of doubling down on that thought with with this new episode that we now have to break down and analyze. And it seems a lot like what we were kind of hinting at last week. I, I, Michael's also a part of this. He has to be. And if we have a combination of pulling the trigger on Jack and Michael pulling the strings and he's still doing his thing. Fuck, dude. It can all end really fucking well in terms of story. Depressing and miserable, (laughs) you know, when it comes to what happens to our characters. But when it comes to story, it could really be good. Yeah. And and you're right. It's about execution. The concept of heart surgery and what it can do for people is great. But if you don't have a doctor performing that... You just ended up killing somebody. Yeah. So, and you know, a lot of this has also led to some really great, you know, introspective moments for Jack as well. He's aware something's not right with him, but he still wants to do the right thing, but he's unaware of what it is. Well, that's where Donatello. Yeah. Fix, fix and fits in perfectly. You know, Yoki's idea to bring Donatello in this week as the only person truthfully that could talk to Jack was a great way not only to get inside Jack's own mind, but see to where use he's a at, guest star, to use a guest star, a supporting actor to support the main concept. It makes sense. It's a no brainer. Of course, you would bring Donatello in on this episode, right? Especially that he just came back a few episodes ago yeah. from being this psycho murderer yeah. from <laughs> previous seasons to see what he's got going on and how does he cope without having a soul. And, you know, for all intents and purposes, he fucking fakes it. Which we kind of we've known, as he said, having a, not having a soul doesn't make you evil. 
but it makes you not care. You have no empathy, no humanity. Listen, faking isn't nice either. Think no. of all the <laughs> the uh, fragile egos that you hurt with faking. Okay, you not, don't I'm not do saying that. any. I'm not pointing at any genders, ladies. I'm just saying, <laughs> quit faking. All it, right, it be, hurts people's feelings. It hurts people. Be truthful. The truth is far better, even though it may hurt. In the end, it's far better. Please don't fake. <laughs> Tell us how we can improve. You want notes at want, the end? Yes, I want notes. <laughs> Bullet points. <laughs> no, but dude, I love that aspect with Donatello saying he faked it. It reminded me exactly of um, there are sociopaths out there. And mm-hmm. I'm going to bring up a TV show to kind of drive Highlight home my the point. Issue. There's a show on Showtime back in the day called Dexter. You've heard of it. Fantastic right. show. It's about a good air quotes here. Serial killer. Mm-hmm. He's a sociopath. He doesn't know why he does certain things. He doesn't know why he's, he doesn't have feelings. He doesn't have emotion. Uh, much like a lot of sociopaths. They, he, he, he's missing something. There's a hole in his. There's a hole Psyche. in his soul, essentially. Yeah. And in order for him to stay on the straight and narrow, his father, who's a police officer, teaches him a code. And he tells him specifically what's right and what's wrong. And he says, if you have this need to kill people, these are the people you should kill. If you have this desire that you cannot defeat and it needs to be satiated, these are the people you kill. Bad people. Kill bad people. So his father and himself created this elaborate code to keep him outside of the gray, even though he's murdering people. In a lot of ways, essentially, that's what the writers did this week with Donatello and Jack. It's, hey, create a code. Yep. Create a code. Follow what you know. Follow someone that you know makes good decisions and do what they would do. And that's actually satisfies me as a viewer wondering how Donatello has managed to survive this long when other people without their souls usually didn't last like that. Usually it ends very badly for him. But Donatello's smart enough to say, you know what? Fake it. Fake it till you make it. Act like you think, act like how you think you're supposed to act. And the thing is, that's really good advice in general. That is what, I mean, outside of our own concept of morality that is really what your parents and everyone teaches you right here's what's right here's what's wrong and act by this moral compass the problem is that jack is too naive too young too inhuman in many respects to truly grasp this concept you know being partly or potentially completely soulless and so young and with the power as donatello put it to be the most the most powerful entity in the universe that's that is a recipe for disaster that is a bomb waiting to happen that's what i thought because yes for donatello great plan but for someone that doesn't even understand basic human emotions yet or what snakes eat right <laughs> this this guy is like two years old he is completely innocent and naive he knows no next to nothing and you're asking him to create a code of conduct and OK, that might work. He can follow Dean. And I think a lot of us felt like, hey, great idea. Mm-hmm. Do exactly what Sam and Dean did. But as we saw at the end of the episode this week, Jack thought what he was doing was the right thing by killing the snake. Yep. And there's a callous logic to his reasoning, which should send red flags flying everywhere, especially at the very end of the episode to Castiel. Because Castiel, in many respects, did this exact same thing in season six and seven. Yeah. What he thought was the right thing. 
if I can control the the souls from purgatory and stop Raphael, if I can stop the civil war, it it'll be worth it. When he's Leviathan cast, when he thinks that as with those powers being a new god is the right move, he has made these same mistakes, you know, removing the wall in Sam's mind and and setting him back with the whole soulless memories of hell and all that stuff. Castiel has walked this path, has been burned by it, has hopefully at this point learned from it, not just in season six and seven, but what he thought he was doing was right in seasons eight and nine as well. You're exactly right with that whole uh, Castiel Jack parallel. He's done it. That what a great way to continue Castiel's story for this season. If That's they, why he had to be the one to see it happen. Yeah, I hope they're smart and they use that aspect, his knowledge, his own past experience as a way to help Jack. It's yeah. kind of a no brainer. And it gives him, like you said, his purpose for the remaining five episodes of the season. Now, if all of this does end up playing out this way, then everything we've seen during the previous episodes were not wasted and we could never say that they were simply literary filler but they were actually relevant story elements and if they also bring back the malik box something introduced a few episodes ago into the story we now have a season with very little deliberate waste unlike the season prior right because maybe it's not that Dean is the one meant to be in the box. But if a soulless, unlimited power potential Jack yep. has to be sacrificed, and maybe Sam and Dean are the chicken, Jack's the egg, and the snake mixed, Yep, has to be thrown into the ocean, chooses to lock himself up, makes Sam and Dean make that incredibly painful decision. Well, dude, what if it's not even Dean? What if it's, hey... What if it's Jack? Because let's say Donatello's idea, his plan, does work. What would Sam and Dean do? fuck, you're right. That's what Dean was going to do. It's literally what Dean was going to do. Yeah, so what if Jack, because he realizes he's losing himself, he's smart enough to know he's losing himself, and if he goes by that code, hey, what do I do next? He will choose to put himself in that box. Makes sense. It's what Dean would have done. And suddenly... Thomas, it's it. We have we're in a scenario like you just brought up where everything works for the first time in three years, two and a half seasons. Everything they introduced is being used and not just wasted. Mm-hmm. The Malik box, everything dealing with Dean, all of it comes back and it's being used. This is the only way this season can move forward without dropping the ball. And yeah. I mean, is there another way you can look at this going? I mean, if, if they don't either. Either I'm not a, saying they need to be exactly like what we're saying, but there's no. got to be, we're obviously, they got to be on the same page as what we're seeing. So if we're if we're any good at our jobs, then this <laughs> is the direction they're going. Well, that's the thing is that it needs, either needs to be Michael is pulling the strings behind the curtain and we don't know it and it will lead to Jack's downfall or the soullessness, the, the Darth Vader on his own with Michael's death still has this this domino effect yep. and forces the issue one way or another. If it's abandoned completely and they go a different route with it, that'll be when, like you said, we'll be yelling basically what the hell happened because that we've seen yeah. that happen last season. They can't forget any of that stuff. And we're going to talk about that a little bit more during our quarterly wrap-up show for our Patreon subscribers. 
we're going to be talking more about the beginning of the season and what it meant for Dean and how it's going to be utilized moving into the final five episodes. And they should, because why would you build that much up unless it does, in fact, unless come it back. means not. It, yeah, it yeah. doesn't make sense. So with that, we're going to take a quick break and then we're going to get into our discussion about Sam and Castiel and their weird trip to Pleasantville in just a moment. <laughs> See, last time I got the impression that you found some woman in an alley and, and she was working the alley or that the corner. In, that was in Vegas. Oh, my. It was a different time. That was a different time. Okay, so this one you're talking about, you actually went into an establishment. Yeah, I went into an establishment. Now, brothel. was it just, it was a fucking brothel? Yeah. They weren't even, tr- they weren't even trying to pretend it was something else, like a like a yogurt shop or, like or, a, a, mas- no, or a massage dude, place. It was a brothel once I walked in. Yeah. Did it say was- brothel on the, on the, like, the, no, on the no, sign? No, it said it Walmart. It, 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 was, it was a certain... <laughs> Are they crying? Are these poor women oh, crying? Geez. No. Okay. No, actually. Jesus. I, a lot of people, yes, there are bad brothels out there, but there are actually... There are bad brothels. brothels that the pimps allow them to the cry. The more you know. <laughs> yeah, but you this know. one, the pimp That's kept those bitches are so important. <laughs> reviews are important. Yeah. You little bitch, you better stuff that lip from quivering. <laughs> we have a client coming in. <laughs> yeah, let me check this brothel up on Yelp real quick. And then the third one was a uh, Mexican girl. Uh, didn't speak any. What was it like the fucking United Nations they had there? The like, last yeah. one was International a, House of Poontang. Uh, college black girl. <laughs> Wait, she was what? going to college. Yeah, right. No, no, no seriously. She, and I it wasn't got going the, so well. They the can be educated, The funny part is that's the one that I chose, and that and she became one of my friends. Yeah, where does she work now? Uh, Still she there? Now, she now lives in D.C. She's, She's a politician. A oh, my she God. Lisa Rice. <laughs> AOC. <laughs> <laughs> Dave, you're disgusting. Get off this network. <laughs> For more Rain Man, visit RainManShow.com. The Crossroads Video Cast is here. Retrospective reviews, discussions, theories, and geek out, all available when you pledge $10 or more a month to our Patreon account. Same show, just more of it. Head over to patreon.com slash Digital to play. Free stuff is awesome, but free stuff that will spice up your bedroom is even better. Just go to adamandeve.com and select almost any one item for 50% off, and then we'll load on the free stuff. Just enter this very exclusive code, RAINMAN, at checkout, and you'll get 10 tantalizing free gifts, including a sexy item for him, a special toy for her, and a third item you'll both enjoy. And six extra special bonus items that are sure to rev your engine, pique your curiosity, Mm. and even blow you away. Plus, free shipping. Always sent in discreet packaging. Go to adamandeve.com now. Get 50% off plus the 10 free gifts when you enter the exclusive offer code RAINMAN. Again, that's RAINMAN. Because without it, no free stuff. That's RAINMAN at adamandeve.com. What are you looking at, nerd? Huh? I thought I was looking at my mother's old douchebag, but that's in Ohio. <laughs> Geek out Saturdays. And then, like, ants eat your remains. Like, <laughs> those books got real dark. 
for kids. Or like one of them, like you could. This is, the, this the is fact that Marvel's been doing it for ten years doesn't mean so, it's easy. Hold on, though. Take Marvel out of the equation and forget okay. that they don't even exist. Television has been doing this for decades. <laughs> and I stumbled upon it while I was hunting alligators. And this guy starts whistling at you. He beckons you. So I thought it was a mission, like a side mission. So I went, and then I realized what it was when it was too late. Yeah. I walked in, it's the guy starts And that's you. how they go out. Like, because the, the rebirth, when they ditched the new 52, because the new 52, they weren't always on the best of terms. They're back together, or, you know, they end up getting back together because they feel something they don't know. They just feel like the universe is pulling them together. Catch up on your favorite Rain Man digital geek shows every Saturday. DC on CW, Back to Tank, Weird West Radio, The Crossroads, and more. Geek Out Saturday on Rain Man Channel 001. Previously on Supernatural, The Crossroads. And, and Steve Yoki. Is Megan Fitzmartin, is that new? Is a new, new, new face. Yeah. Uh, she story, look right. what, I'm going to look her up right now. Story by Megan Fitzmartin, and then she and Steve Yoki are writing this We one. judge writers first by their appearance, yep, and I'm then secondly on their, their talent. <laughs> I'm looking her up right now. Oh, <laughs> I, I appreciate it, and I'd like to see what Megan Fitzmartin has to bring to the table. New Blood is always dangerous, risky to those hardcore fans of us, but it is a way in which we get new ideas and new things we haven't seen before. Yo, Megan, DM me. Yo, Megan. <laughs> At Michael underscore Flores. Oof. Hit me up, girl. Sliding them DMs with the... Her first episode, she's not going to even get a chance. She's like, these guys are disgusting. <laughs> these guys are gross. I will never talk to these fuckers. Oh, We're back. Now we're going to be talking about Sam Winchester, also known as the saddest sad man in the world. <laughs> That's exactly what I thought when I was watching this week's episode. It's just mopey. I'm like, God damn it. Why is Jared Padalecki so good at playing sad? Mopey moose, man. It's sad. It makes you like it, it makes it hard to watch because you're like, oh, poor Sam. He's all depressed right now. Kicking rocks. Yeah. And the thing is, he he doesn't really get to be sad. In many respects, both as a leader and as like the more emotionally responsible or emotionally At least mature this season one. for sure. Yeah. And, Dean's and like, last season. Yeah. Dean always gets to complain and be sad and be depressed and try and kill himself in a haunted house while death shows up and Sam's trapped with a bunch of ghosts. And here's Sam trying to be optimistic you know, and save people and help other hunters. And he just I don't want to say he fails. They in fact, they said this season or I think Castiel this episode, I should say Castiel even mentioned that he failed as a leader. I'm like, nah, come on. Did he fail or, or feel like he failed? Yeah, he definitely you could definitely say that he didn't yeah. fail. The guy managed to help people save their lives. It sucks that they ended up dying, but that's on them. Yeah. Learn to survive, Maggie. <laughs> Don't just go running and yelling, Sam, fucking try and stab the bitch. Yeah, do something. <laughs> Pinch a titty or something. It wouldn't be sexual. Go down fighting is the point. Yeah, it's not a sexual assault. It's a, a girl doing it's a titty it to a girl. Crunch. Yeah, a titty, a titty twister. Remember those yeah. back in the day? Ooh. Titty twisters. <laughs> I like titty twisters. Come here, Thomas. <laughs> there's a reason there's. I'm on the other side of the room right now. No, but you know, sad Sam and and the shit he went through from last episode. <laughs> sad Sam. Sad Sam. That sounds so funny. We need to open up a Twitter account called Sad Sam. <laughs> Had some friends that I just met. They all died. <laughs> Dude, we need to open that up ASAP. My mom's just, back and she's banging my uncle. <laughs> like He loves my brother better. She loves Dean more. I never Sam. get to drive the Impala. 
Can you imagine? I think we're going to do that. I think I'm going to open up a sad, sad Sam, Sam Twitter account. We're just going to tweet sad thoughts. Based on what happens to him. <laughs> but, uh, you know, the, the fallout from the previous episode definitely was something that need to be, needed to be addressed. And even though they've, it, it did feel like they could have dealt with the issues a little bit more effectively if it had been a little bit more direct. Not, not just at the end of the episode. It would have added some more substance had the... So we talk about the supporting characters, always that Donatello feeds directly into what Jack's going to do in a way in which we explain what is going on with Sam and Dean. And a lot of great examples in Supernatural's history have the events going on in the story directly relate to how they are affected as characters with what's going on in their lives on a greater scheme. And this episode tried to do that, but it it felt a little like it came up a little bit short. It was a, a bit emotionally flimsy because it needed to just tell everybody at the end. And that's the biggest problem is if you need to tell us at the end what the writers were trying to do, then you didn't you, you write did, it, you did it all wrong. wrong. We should have picked up on that from the very beginning that you're trying to draw parallels to people that escape their problems and Sam and the goings on of this town. But it wasn't as direct. And I'm not saying it needed to be heavy handed, but I'm saying that it. How many people truly picked on picked up what they were trying to do until it was spelled out at the very end. So, yeah, we had this conversation prior to starting the show where. Mike, do you want to say your opinion on the episode before? Like, no, like that I, aspect? I, I felt like it was emotionally flimsy. I mean, it, it just the whole picturesque town setting did work to help the audience understand Sam's problems, but it wasn't clear what they were doing until it was actually stated during the Castile and Sam fight. Yeah. And I don't feel like they needed to do it that way. I feel like we had so much emotion pulled over from last week's episode and what happened. This was a no brainer. It needed mm-hmm. to be, it needed to be addressed. Sam lost a good portion of his hunters, including one of the, the more vocal hunters, Maggie, mm-hmm. who he was obviously taking a special, special interest in and helping. So I, I feel like having us explore that issue is, is obvious, right? That's, Hey, we have to talk about it. You can't right. just pretend it didn't exist, but we then you, don't really talk about it. We don't really talk about it. They, allude to it and sam willingly i guess refuses the fight i guess we're supposed to believe well, that so that's the, the, the brain control because he's okay with with having some peace and escapism for a while it just it felt like a stretch so here's the thing does that make sense so ultimately when i was watching the episode it's very obvious to me when i was watching it that okay everyone here is supposed to be happy and sam's wanting to escape yeah so he's accepts being happy as well but i was waiting for a a wind-up twist that never came yeah because at the end of the episode it's not that this town itself is a is a gathering place for people like sam it's not that this town is full of people who are trying to escape a dark past they're not trying to escape tragedy they're not looking for uh, a way out Because one of my, and I bring this up, this game up all the time, but the Silent Hill series played on that concept that the town itself, the haunted town, ended up attracting people who had done terrible things as a way in which they could find 
peace ultimately by by confronting their demons. That's why the town always would appear differently to different people. It's different people saw different monsters or some people didn't see monsters because they weren't guilty, things like that. In this town, we I would have expected that the townsfolk were trying to escape something, that they came to this place and willingly gave up their freedom for a more wholesome, idealistic, placating, numbing agent. I don't have to worry about what I've done before or the bad things that have happened because here I'm happy. And it never really gets to that. It's truthfully that there's a guy who's controlling everyone and we're just supposed to believe that Sam is vulnerable to this in some respects. It doesn't feel like it was done deliberately. Suddenly the suspense of Sam being taken over by the Stepford wives slash get out town. It would have worked better because they could have been a parallel to his own issues. Yeah. It wasn't just a pill that one guy force fed to an entire town it was a place where they went to hide as well. And wouldn't this attract Sam much like it's season two, one of the last episodes, what is and what never should be. Dean knows he's in a dream world, but it's trying to entice him like the devil throughout the desert from the Bible itself. Give in, take a knee, stay here with us. It'll be easier. And none of that comes into play. It's just the evil machinations of one man. With no deeper subtext or substance. Yeah, and I and ultimately that was probably my problem with it was because the idea was there, but the execution felt light. Yeah. But if they had connected it to somebody else, some person from another part of the country that went missing and after some tragedy. Yeah. And now suddenly they're in this town and then there's an investigation and Sam and Castillo figure out that many people in this town have uh, before settling in this town. Mm-hmm. had come from tragedy that would have been and good. suddenly there's a pattern there and suddenly this idea of sam or uh, this idea of paralleling sam with this town it would have come to the forefront a little cleaner a little more clearer well then you also have the concept of are they doing anything wrong if they want to hide from this it's not the emotionally uplift it's not the emotionally healthy it's not the morally righteous thing to do but is there anything wrong with wanting to hide from the pain right. we I do hide. It, we do it with drinking and drugs i hide from my people, wife people do it with sex people do it with exactly everything really the winchesters do it with work they don't yeah. address their own problems they just hide behind it and you could have had a little bit more substance there had it been the town attracts these people there wasn't really a villain sometimes bad things just happen and we don't want to deal with it yeah. And wasn't that kind of the whole template of this most recent events? So, but with that being said, it was a welcome consistency that was missing from last season. I mean, where Dean was an emotional roller coaster, it felt a little inconsistent. You know, one episode he's suicidal, and then the next one he's all gung ho, happy to be a fucking cowboy. And then the very next one, it's he's depressed again it, it it went up and all over the place so while it does lack substance here with sam it does make sense with where his emotions are at with where he is at yes and it feels like even though we could have had a lot more with this concept it does feel like a natural you know although shallow exp- explanation of the events from the previous week yeah it feels a lot more organic and that's yeah organic that's, yes that's my takeaway 
when it comes yeah. to Sam's storyline, at least they kept it consistent. They're, they're as we had just gone over for the last ten minutes, they could have done it a little more neater. And maybe this has a lot to do with the fact that Yoki just wrote the story. He did not write the actual script. And we know that um, uh, newcomer Megan Fitzmartin, this is her first episode she Mm -hmm. has written. This is a new script. And probably there's going to be some issues that new writers make. And we've seen it before, but other writers have gotten stronger as time goes on. Nobody's going to be, you know, perfect out the gate, but... You know, it was at least keeping it consistent with Sam. Yes. Now, the clearly the the front runner of this episode was Castiel, front and center, and it was definitely nice to see a version of Castiel that we haven't truthfully seen before. Especially in recent years, Castiel has been either a a numbskull, a numbskull, b a weakling, c kicked to the curb or sidelines, quickly removed from the equation by one power that be or another. And it was very nice to see him be not, not just from a hunter standpoint of seeing him not just fly in with his angel powers, murder or, or destroy everything and then fly away like he would have back in the day or as Lebanon alluded to back when Zachariah was in charge. But it was also nice to see that he is the glue that keeps the Winchester family together in many respects you know, talking about talking with Dean about Jack and where he's at talking with Dean about where Sam's at spending time with Jack, spending time with Sam, trying to keep everybody happy together, emotionally consistent and checking in like a, like a caring family member should. So it was nice to see that he is not just a fan favorite, but intrinsic to the dynamic of the Winchester family and how they all work. And you know, all at the same time, we got to remember he's doing this knowing that the cosmic entity could wipe him out of existence in a blink of an eye at any moment. Yeah. You know, an, an angel to face morality or more uh, mortality is not necessarily new because they can die, but only by combat or threats, not just by a random act as we are used to as humans. Or it is nice acts. to see that. <laughs> And it was, I'll also say it was nice to see him kick some fucking ass and not get taken out in a half second by a group of demons gang beating him like they did in the very beginning of this season. Being beaten up by some rando psychic that makes no sense. Like why would an angel now can't fight a psychic? So I'm glad they didn't do that. I thought they were going to have him struggle, but luckily they made it more personal between him and Sam. Yeah. And that ultimately worked and to really, make sure we kept everything that they're doing with Castiel this season consistent because it would suck to see uh, Castiel who's very fucking competent. He's in the know. He knows what's going on. And then hey, I can't fight again. Uh, what happened? I've sneezed and I have all of a sudden AIDS and polio oh. and I can't fight. You know. should have gotten vaccinated. <laughs> just saying. God must be an anti-vaxxer. Oh. Just saying. Yeah. It was nice to see him fight. And it was also nice to see him and Sam together we don't get a lot of their together dynamic, together or butt fucking yeah yes some slash fiction there yes yes that's yeah, that, clearly that was what nice. i was talking about because i didn't notice that i think you <laughs> might have fallen asleep and had a, a wishful oh, another dream a Shit. wishful dream let me check my notes <laughs> did that happen uh, castillo and sam fucked this episode wow it was pretty amazing i can't believe they did that <laughs> I wonder if dean's gonna be jealous probably 
that I, it was nice to see that though, because they don't get a lot of Sam and Castiel and their relationship, the dynamics of that relationship. It's always, you know, Castiel and Dean that fans like, and, right. and that we always see. So it was nice to see a little bit different. The biggest question I had was the psychic and the, the monster threat of this week, because this is where I'm wondering, is there a new psychic problem within the supernatural universe before in Kripke's day, anybody who had special powers to that degree was directly tied to the meddlings of Azazel yellow eyes and Lucifer being born. And clearly the, the, the story has moved beyond that point, but we have a psychic here, a professor X, you know, level mutant that can control an entire town's every thought, emotion, and being all day, 24-7, when he's asleep or or doing whatever the hell it is he's doing. And we have no reason to believe he's a psychic for, due to meddling from a demon. So is he a genetic monster in some ways? We know it's genetic. His daughter has the same traits. Is it time to flesh out this whole psychic thing a little it, more now? Because I know Dab messed with it during his yes, first season, right? American season- Nightmare, episode four, season 12. Yeah, so if this is a thing, maybe we should start delving into it a bit more because I find it a bit weird that they would be like, oh, super high powerful psychic. Cool. All right, let's move All on. All right, let's Let, go. Let's head back to the bunker. No need to investigate. Wait a second. Did you just say there's a psychic <laughs> that can control people's minds so much so that they have no fucking control of anything they do and they live the rest of their life as essentially a Stepford wife? And he knows when they realize it and he knows when they're trying to escape and he can murder them like how at we, thousands of miles or hundreds of miles away? What's the range on that? How are we not investigating this? And I, It seems a little... OP to just be uh-huh. left, uh, you know, let's uh, sweep this under the rug. What about the redhead that also has the power? Obviously, she, oh, even- she just, you know, vegetabilized her father. She's totally morally and, and, you know, emotionally stable. Let's just leave. She's even more of a threat. She's more powerful than her father, obviously. Ah, let's go home. <laughs> Later. All right. So you, you got it, right? Can I you mean- make me a milkshake for the road real <laughs> fast? The whole city is now going to like wake up, presumably with a bunch of strangers in their room and years of not knowing what the fuck happened. You got this, though. Yeah. See you later. All right. Thanks. Which do I make a left or? Yeah. Yeah. That part was a little bit odd. It's just strange because it seems like a very big deal to just sweep under the rug. Yeah. It does bring a lot of questions to me as well. Like the first husband, Justin, if he had a daughter presumably he and he doesn't know who this woman is he's not of this town he was somebody with a life somewhere else and didn't originally live there so was he abducted is there a nefarious get out stepford wives angle beyond just the creep creep factor of pleasantville here well that's an issue that unfortunately is just a product of the of the of the story as a whole that that issue with justin is kind of nitpicky thomas and i would agree that but i would agree it isn't it's a fair it leads me to ask a lot of questions when right. the reveal is the last we see of this town. Usually there's a little bit of a cleanup or a wrap up, especially with the fact that a lot of the stories within Supernatural have never been citywide. Yeah. Or there's been some kind of explanation well, that, to it. That goes right back to what I said earlier in the show, that if they had alluded to the fact that people, air quotes here, Justin, mm-hmm 
had ran from it tragedy, would've, it would have fit, and they all found themselves in this town, then that problem would even be an issue. Yeah. So even though I may say that specific aspect is a bit nitpicky, it does go right into the entire issue greater that, criticism. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So I mean, we're already getting there. So let's go with some final thoughts, Mike. What did you, what do you think of this episode overall? What do you give it? Gee golly, what do you give this one? Oh gosh, golly, gee. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what? I, I like how the redhead was uh, was trying to get after it though with <laughs> with that one guy leaving him like, I mean, shit. Yeah, porn written yeah, porn. Something about Sex the stories. size of his girthy penis. Like, like holy yeah. shit, dude, that dude must have been packing. I'm I, I maybe I he had an aneurysm in his dick and it just backed up all the blood and it blew oh. out his brain. <laughs> Or maybe she just, maybe her father and her just convinced themselves that he had a really big dick. <laughs> you can believe anything, apparently. Yeah. So maybe that's part of it. Um, episode was 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 fine. It wasn't a bad episode. I there are some issues as we had gone through, but overall the episode worked to continue the the overall story of the season, keeping things consistent by reminding us that Sam has issues. If this was last year, we would completely have a uh, a very different episode with very different feelings this episode stayed true to earlier runs of supernatural not letting us forget about the issues and that's all i really want i just want these the obvious to be handled correctly and so far season 14 is handling the obvious fairly well um not the greatest episode of the season i'll give it a, a c all right yeah, I mean, the the emotional consistency with Sam and the conversation with him and Castiel during the fight was perhaps like the strongest moment of the episode. Uh, I liked seeing the flashing visions of the dead bodies and seeing the fallout from what Michael did. Obviously, there's a moment for rejoicing because the threat is apparently gone, but with every re- resolution brings new problems because now Jack is up in the air as to what's going on with him. I did like seeing that Sam is dealing with those elements. One thing we did give praise to Dab and the team for from season 13 was that their emotional fallout was not done and over with within an episode. The first half of season 13 is all trying to deal with the pain of loss. And I liked seeing that continue now, but with Sam specifically. The story overall was fine it did an okay job for getting the point across but outside of sam there's a lot of weaknesses dean for example has zero reaction to the fact that michael is gone and or murdered which he thought was going to have to be his own self-induced suicide seems to be played as let me i've got a test he'll see if he picks angel or devil's food cake that'll determine where jack is on an emotional scale For the first time, Dean really did feel out of place in this episode because everyone else had something to work with and he had a sandwich. So that felt odd. I will agree that that is another aspect of the and I didn't want to be overly nitpicky. That's why I didn't bring it up. But the whole way Dean was acting this week just felt very inconsistent and insincere with everything we've seen earlier in the season. Suddenly we have a guy who can't communicate with his son, his mm-hmm. pseudo child, right? Who we just had an episode with the two of them spending an entire day together. They went fishing, in, on human right? Nature. They went, was it fishing? Yeah, yeah they fishing. went fishing. They went for a drive. He was able to talk to him just fine. Now suddenly he's struggling to communicate with 
this child. And then he says, oh, I had difficulties with Sam when he was soulless. When? When did you have problems? There was 11 episodes that he had no soul and you handled it pretty fucking well. Yeah. So I'm I'm trying to understand that. That part felt a little uh, contrived. Yeah. It was contrived because like you're trying to make a funny situation to an episode that didn't really need levity because it was already a lighthearted episode. Yeah. So they had Dean being a parody of Dean, a goofball just for the sake of laughs. And it just felt weird. It did. It, it felt out of place. And like you said, with an episode that is generally upbeat overall, I did like the Stepford wives get out vibe. I've always enjoyed that kind of, you don't belong here. There's something going on in the entire towns in on it from hot fuzz or the world's end is another like great example. Those are great examples of it as well. Kudos to the uh, actress who played the Stepford wife, Mrs. Smith, because she did a great job with her inhuman reaction. There's a lot of scenes when she yells at Castiel, especially in the house when Sam shows up that she doesn't blink. And she has this geriatric ro- robotic geriatric or uh Marion, like this marionette. Oh yeah. You know, inhuman response to things when her husband's brain gets blown out and she's like honey are you okay kind of attitude i did like that it was creepy i liked her <laughs> but it you know the episode i liked the psychic element so i liked some of it but it, it didn't feel deep it didn't feel connected to what we were doing it felt very and when we addressed this all in the beginning with the town being just this this cardboard backdrop upon which we tell a story at the very end so overall, I give this one a C as well. It it had some strong moments, but it's for where it is and for a calm before the storm, too much of it feels missing to really be where we should be at this point after the events of Ouroboros. So now we do have the quarterly wrap up to do for Yay! we've been doing this every five episodes. This will be the third quarter analysis. And if you are interested in hearing that, listeners can gain access to that discussion by pledging to our podcast tier on Patreon, which is just $5 um, or more a month. You'll gain access to that as well as gains. You'll gains. You'll gain. You'll gains, y'all. Yeah. You'll gain access to that and everything below, no matter what range you're at, you'll get that tier and lower and you'll get access to all of our other Crossroads monthly bonus casts. All the additional 10 minutes at the crossroads, the cinematography of Supernatural, and all those additional things we do. So if you're interested in that, head on over to patreon.com slash Digital. We've got five episodes left of season 14, 25% of the season. Looks like Michael might be off the playing field. We're not sure. Jack is clearly the focal point of attention at the end of this episode. But it's it's as Ryan said last week, it's time to really f- put the pedal to the metal and see where we get by the end of the season. So with that, we want to thank everybody for listening and we will see you all next time. You little maggot. You are no longer a part of this story. Hey, ass butt. The Crossroads Videocast is here. Retrospective reviews, discussions, theories, and geek out. All available when you pledge $10 or more a month to our Patreon account. Same show, just more of it. Head over to patreon.com slash Digital to pledge.